Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. And our program is brought to you by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants. Multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can also hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of the show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So the coordinators just spoke to the media. We listened in to Thomas McGahee, Wink Martindale, and Mike Kafka. So we'll get into some of those things and as well as push ahead and preview the Monday night matchup between the Giants and the Seahawks. And clearly for Wink, Paul, the big theme was missed tackling, which we talked about in the wake of the San Francisco 49ers game. They had a tackling circuit that they conducted in practice the other day, meaning an emphasis on drills which are geared towards honing the tackling aspect and making sure that they're better prepared. Because I will say this, as we tie in the Seahawks, you've got a pair of running backs in the Seattle backfield, in Zach Charbonnet, as well as Kenneth Walker, who are powerful and elusive. And if you don't bring those guys down, as we saw against the Carolina Panthers, they will add five to six chunks of yardage after the initial run. Yards after contact has been a huge problem for this Giants defense to this point. They've also given up many, many, many too many clean rushing lanes as well. Wink said it all starts with angles first. That's the first thing he wants to see these guys fix is their angles. So when they went around to their different stations yesterday during practice, the first thing they talked about was getting the proper angle and squaring up on your your, uh, offensive player. Then you got to follow through with your technique and make sure you wrap. You can't just, you know, sure, yeah. Try to arm tackle or it's not touch football, okay? <laughs> and don't be reaching for the flag, yeah, because there's no flag. No, sure. it's not going to work. Yeah, all right, you, you got to wrap up. So, you know, he feels ultra confident. You, if you, you just listen to him, ultra confident. In fact, some of the quotes you'll read them on my Twitter page at Giants WFAN. He said, you know, come to the game on Monday and see, chart it. He's super confident that the guys will get it right on Monday. Look, it's talk until it happens. Sure. The truth is, the defense, in my opinion, has let down this team more than the offense has because there have been a number of factors that inhibited the offense from reaching its apex. 
I understand there was an offensive line shuffle. I understand that Andrew Thomas was out. I understand that Saquon Barkley was out. I understand they played two of the top three or four defensive fronts in the first three weeks of the season. I take all that into account and I say, hey, I wish the offense had been better, but there were circumstances that certainly punched them in the face. Defensively, no, no, I'm not, I'm not buying any excuses about the defense. The defense has been healthy. These guys are supposed to play to the level of their football cards. They haven't done it. That's the bottom line, except for in the red zone when they held San Francisco to two yeah. for five in the red zone, which I thought was an outstanding job. Wink also pointed to the other thing besides tackles that's really got his goat, and that is their third down percentage, which last year was very good in addition to their red zone. That was their secret. It was quarterback pressures, it was red zone, and it was third down. Well, the pressures aren't bad right now. The red zone is okay, but the third down is terrible. He pointed to penalties being a big problem on third down in addition to missed tackles. And those are the things that that they've concentrated on this week to try to clean up against Seattle. Well, the roughing the passer penalty on Leonard Williams, that came on a third and 11. So that and you're right, by the way, by the book, that's a penalty. By the book. Yeah. In the spirit of well, the Well, that's rule, all you could go by. I know. I mean, everything else is just pure opinion about how you think the rule should be written. I so don't, wanna, I by don't the book. want to rehash it. No, no, but no, I understand. That won't yeah. get called every time. There are times well, where you're, you're not going to get it. Other I'm times with you, you will. But anyway. I'm saying by the definition of how you're the right. rule is written, you're right. I thought that was executed you're to right. the book with respect to that. And that was my main point. It wasn't a matter of what my opinion is. We could sit here all we want and try to cater the rules, right, to what we think. All that matters is what the intent of the rule is. And I he, thought it was governed accordingly. And he specifically cited Leonard Williams, uh, who's been playing banged up, as really feeling urgency this first three weeks and playing very, very hard. He cited Dexter Lawrence, and then he also cited uh, Bobby O'Karake as growing into the leadership role. He's still not there yet. They still haven't gelled, but but he also pointed to him. So we will see what happens on Monday night. Giants are allowing opponents to convert nearly 50% of the time. It's absurd. Third down. It's yeah. absurd. 48.7 to be exact. That just can't continue. No. And when you, when you have all of those missed tackles in the running game, it creates third and shorter opportunities, yeah. which leads to that number. And oh, by the way, that's one of the reasons why it's so hard for them to climb out of a hole, because you now allow the other team's offense to dictate the tempo and the narrative of the day. That's always going to put you at a disadvantage every single time. If I'm going to tell you something right now, folks. I'm going to make it simple for you. I told you last week that I thought the Giants' only chance to beat San Francisco, or their best chance, their best path to victory, was to come out firing in the passing game early, be ultra aggressive, try to try to maybe catch San Francisco while they were sleeping, get a jump on them, and turn the game into a passing track meet. I really thought that was the only way they'd have a puncher's chance to win because I did not think they could win a slow-down, grinded-out game. As it turned out, they did not win a slow-down, grinded-out game. I feel the same way against Seattle. Seattle does not have a ferocious pass rush, and they do not have a particularly strong secondary. Though part of that, I think, is guys banged up, though, on okay. the back end. I Jamal Adams never been a great cover safety. No, but he's a great he's hustle a guy. And hustle guy, plays at the line box of safety, yeah. stronger against the run, coming sure. off of a torn quad last year. 
I got to think his pass defense is going to be extremely rusty, and it wasn't that great to begin with. No, no. For me, it's the same thing I'm saying last week. The Giants need to be able to win this game with Daniel Jones through the air to his offensive skill positions. That, that to me, should be the way that the Giants have the easiest path to victory. Obviously, you got to clean up the defensive missed tackles and stuff. Yeah. But offensively, they got to come out. They they got to they got to show their firepower. I think if they get into a slowed down, grinded out game, it favors Seattle. I really do. Well, because I think Seattle has proven they can be much more balanced in terms of the styles of the fights. So that's the main difference. Whereas the Giants, because of some injuries that you noted, are restricted in what they could do. But Aziz Ojolari is the only guy that's been out on defense. You really can't point to anybody else to explain. And it looks promising that he'll be back. With the hamstring issue. Whereas on offense, they've missed personnel. But then again, and we brought this up, I think it was maybe earlier this week or last week, you have a Seattle team, Paul, that was down four starting offensive linemen and put up 37 points against the Carolina Panthers. Now, you can tell me all you want about, well, you don't think Carolina's defense is very good. That's fine. But the bottom line is, they had a functional offense despite the fact that they were down four starting offensive linemen. And it looks like Charles Cross, their left tackle, may be able to return this week with that toe injury. That's based on what Pete Carroll had indicated mm-hmm. at his latest presser. Then again, we have a few more days. You can have a setback. You don't know. And the other guy is Reek Woolen, who's probably going to return because he was a full participant at practice the other day. And that's a boost to their coverage, Paul. He was outstanding as a rookie last year. So that's going to at least alleviate some of the problems they've had with respect to the secondary. Easy question for you, Lance. When you have a banged-up offensive line that you do in Seattle, what's the best way to give themselves a chance? You run it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And boy, did they run it. Against Especially Carolina. in the second half. Without it. Because it was a tale of two halves in that game. Yeah. Okay, so let's, let's not kid ourselves. That's what they're going to want to do this week, too. Even if one or two of those guys comes back, they're not going to be interested, in all honesty, of getting into a passing, scoreboard-chasing track meet. That's probably not what they want to do. They will want to get this game into the black and blue, grind it out, let's, let's keep it close to the vest kind of game. That's what they're going to want to do, especially when they consider not only their injury situation, but then also the fact that the Giants' defense has not shown the type of crisp physicality they need to stop the run and to take over control of the game. So why wouldn't you do that until the Giants prove otherwise? So that's what Seattle's going to try to do. That's what they want to do. And the Giants have to say, no way in hell are you getting away with that. We're going to dictate the tempo of this game. Yeah, they're going to see the Arizona film. They're going to see the San Francisco film. And Seattle's going to say, let's see if the Giants cleaned up their mistakes. I mean, that's the natural mindset no like doubt. to have if you're the Seahawks. The other thing that I thought was interesting that Wink Martindale noted, which is related to what we're discussing, he said that he counted four missed tackles in the opener against the Cowboys. And he was happy with that from the standpoint of normally you anticipate in an opener, things are not as pretty mm-hmm. and as well-disciplined. Then San Francisco clearly was the worst game because then all of a sudden the numbers dipped to the opposite end of the spectrum. So he actually was anticipating maybe there would be more issues earlier in the season, given the fact that, once again, you figure week one, you don't have a lot of padded practices, you don't have a lot of time on the practice field, you'd assume that there would be a struggle in that department. But he actually, he was happy with how well they played to avoid the missed tackles in the opener, but all of a sudden, now with a few more games under your belt, it hasn't been as 
execution-wise as smoothly as it should be, which, you know, normally you figure, Paul, I mean, just based on logic, the more games you're out there, the more games you play, more that guys get comfortable and you clean up some of the missed tackles. Unfortunately for the Giants, it's going in the opposite direction. You came out, you look decent in week one, and now all of a sudden the wheels on the bus are falling off progressively. Right. So you got to put a stop to it sooner rather than later because we hear the phrase, and it's cliche, copycat league, but most teams, okay, they say we're going to not alleviate the problems and give them gifts. We're going to test them in areas that they have concerns. And I'm with you. I think Seattle's going to come out with those two running backs. And here's the other guy you got to be concerned about, DK Metcalf. Because Metcalf he's is a another horse. one. He's a horse. Well, you know, he's a big, lengthy guy, but he also can shed tacklers. Okay? He's a horse. Yes. So you can wrap him up, and he's like Debo Samuel. He'll then kiss you goodbye and pick up another five to six yards. So uh, I would say— Maybe another 20. Well, 20, whatever. I'm trying to at least keep things in perspective. So Metcalf, Charbonnet, and Walker. Those are the three guys the Giants have to be concerned about from a tackling Please standpoint. don't forget about Lockett. He's very yeah, crafty. Yeah, but I don't look at very him crafty. as dangerous he's as not those a, other three. He's though. not a tackle breaker, but he's a dangerous juker. No, he's a, and he's a great route runner, too. No question. Yeah, he'll beat you more deeper as opposed to make you miss. I guess uh, is the way I look at it. Brian Dable just went out to practice to begin the session with the players and has told the media Andrew Thomas will not practice today. Bellinger is limited. Barkley is limited. And Bredesen out of protocol Remember, he had been in concussion protocol, was able to practice yesterday. Yep. I'm not sure exactly how that worked because I didn't think a guy could be in a full practice if he wasn't out of the protocol. But yet he was still in protocol. He is now out of protocol. I'm not sure the specifics and the little intricacies of the protocol, but well, I thought when Dable Bredesen's sp- ready to go. Well, Paul, I thought when Dable spoke to the media yesterday, he indicated that he was he out He said he protocol. was out, then, then they re, re, reworked it and said, no, he was in protocol. Okay. Yeah. Then I'm going to need clarification from that. He's standpoint. out. So I expect yeah. that Bredesen will start at left guard. But certainly Thomas's situation becomes very sketchy now. Yeah. He practiced limited yesterday on the sore hamstring. And, you know, when I saw him yesterday, I just asked him how he was doing. He said, well, not bad. Well, not bad isn't great either. It's also not terrible. Yeah. But we all knew he was going to have to see how he felt the day after his first practice. And uh, he's not going to work today. Well, remember, when Dable spoke to the media earlier in the week, he was asked, if Bredesen and Thomas return, what do you anticipate your offensive line is going to they look would like? Start. And he said that the left side would return to before the injury. Mm-hmm. So you interpret that. You say Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Bredesen at left guard. He also said McKeithen would stay at right guard. So then the line is laid out if those two guys are healthy. Now, if they are not both healthy... The best guess would be then probably Josh Azudu, Paul, would replace Andrew Thomas at left tackle. One would assume. Yeah. So that's what we're looking at. But we got a few days to go. And as far as Barkley is concerned, I know, you know, he got out there a little bit yesterday and the videos were circulating from the media members. But here's why I wouldn't read too much into that. I go back to the previous history of the player. Okay. And when he had an ankle injury in two prior seasons, he missed three games and four games respectively. And if we are talking about a high ankle sprain or however he wants to characterize it as, and Barkley in the past has indicated maybe he came back a little too soon previously, I would think you have to take all of that into consideration. I'm not saying that there's no shot of him playing, but for them not to look at that would be hard to believe. They're going to look at, okay, hey, Saquon, 2019, you went through this. 
what did we learn from that experience? Maybe we should at least take that into consideration. I think to me, that's a practical conversation. The encouraging thing is that he's had no apparatus on his ankle since he got hurt. That's the encouraging part. Yeah. But the whole question that they have to ask themselves is not if Barkley is capable of playing against Seattle, but what is the level of risk that he will aggravate the injury and then wind up being long-term yeah. inhibited? That's the question. Can he play against Seattle? Maybe he can. Maybe he can. But is it worth him being 70% for the next six weeks? Coach Dable's got to think about that. And my answer would be no. If you ask me my personal opinion, I don't think it's worth the risk because of his history with dealing with these ankle injuries. I tend to agree with you. So I would lean more towards the conservative approach. Now, we're not naive. If you take Saquon out of the equation, San Francisco did the same thing. Seattle can now just focus on Daniel Jones, and I don't think they're overly concerned about the other members of the backfield. But with that being said, you have the elusive weapons in the receiving court, to your point, where if you wanted to rely on short passes and try to get yak, you can accomplish that against Seattle. Wandell Robinson, for example, he came back, what, five targets already. So they could use him as an extension, Paul, of the run game. And if you're getting a three-yard pass, what's the difference between running for three yards or getting exactly. a three-yard pass? There's no and, difference. And let's not forget, to this point in the season, Seattle has allowed more big plays, 10 yards or more, than any defense in the league. Yeah. That's because that back end is susceptible to getting hit. Okay? You, you, can, you can attack those guys. And that's why the Giants need to exploit that area of the defense. Well, I think that's the best way to stay in manageable downs and distances. Yep. And that's key because there were two things that went wrong for the Giants in the last game, and I think you were alluding to one of them. Number one, when you get down by so much, you pretty much throw out half your playbook because now all of a sudden the defense knows you have to throw the ball, okay? So you can't afford to do that. But then the other problem is when even it's somewhat of a competitive game, Paul, and you have penalties and you give up sacks on the early downs, you're getting into third and sevens, third and eights, third and nines, and maybe they're not third and fifteens, but it's still not conducive to run the football on those downs and distances. So you're also hurting yourself from that standpoint as well. Well, it's pretty simple, Lance. What you're saying in a roundabout way, and I'll go through the front door on this, is that it's a lot easier to attack a suspect pass defense on early downs and get that chunk yardage than doing it if it's third and eight. Yeah. Because on third and eight, the pendulum swings to them a little bit, and now you're giving them a little bit more of an advantage or a little bit of an edge. Yeah. Exactly. Again, folks, that's why I'm telling you. I, I know we, we don't like to say this around Giants land, at least not for the last 50 years, right? Come out firing. Make it a pinball game because the Giants have more skill position weapons than Seattle does. I'm sorry. I, I get Metcalf and I get Lockett. I get it. Okay? But no. With Waller, with Campbell, with Slayton, with Hyatt, with Shepard, Robinson, no. The Giants have more. The Giants have more skill position players that can do damage than Seattle. That's how I see it on offense. Make use of those guys. I think the bigger household names are on the New York roster, but Seattle also has those crafty guys. I forgot Hodgins. A lot of the limelight. Yeah, Hodgins. And here's another player to watch out for. I'll bring in on the opposite end of the spectrum. Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
He's only had 14 targets, nine receptions. You mm -hmm. wonder if they're going to look to get him a little bit more involved. That's the first-round pick out of Ohio State. And then the tight ends. Seattle loves its tight ends. It's not one guy in particular. They use three different guys. And Will Disley, who was banged up, looks like he practiced the other day. So that's another area. They help in the run game, but they also are nice outlets for Geno Smith. So it's more of a reason why tackling is going to be key because if you can put Geno in those third and longs, Maybe you make him press the envelope. Maybe you make him feel a little bit uncomfortable. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm -hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's open up the phone lines but before we do that a few reminders here with respect to some of our programming the Giants Huddle podcast you can check that out on your favorite podcast platform you can also go to giants.com slash podcasts and don't forget that you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. On October 2nd, when the Giants host the Seattle Seahawks for Monday Night Football, Giants are going to be celebrating Latino Heritage Month in partnership with Ford and supported by Duncan, PNC Private Bank, as well as the City College of New York. Fans attending are encouraged to arrive early to enjoy sampling of Latin cuisine, dance exhibitions, live music, giveaways, and more. The dedicated tailgate zone will be located just outside of the Verizon gate. And speaking of upcoming games, you have two options in terms of still securing tickets. You can secure a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available. To learn more, exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. Then there's single game tickets. And for that, you can visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. Run or walk with Giants legends. The Giants Foundation is going to host a 5K race and kids run. It's presented by Quest on Sunday, October 8th, 9 a.m. MetLife Stadium. Net proceeds will benefit the Giants Foundation. All participants will receive a commemorative T-shirt. After the race, you can stay for a post-race festival with appearances by Giants legends and a live DJ. Register now at Giants.com slash 5K. And the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, it brings you original video content, game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV, it's free. It's on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the lines at 201-939-4513 as we move forward here on Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jason is in New Haven, and he joins us. What's happening, Jason? Hey, how you guys doing? We're doing Hi. Right. What do uh, you got for us? For taking, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I haven't called in a few weeks, but I, I did wanted to bring up some stuff. Um, I know this is water under the bridge, um, and I know I know your stance, Lance, so we don't have to go too far into this equation. But I'm with you, Paul. The the roughing of the penalty 
roughing of the quarterback penalty. I get it. And Lance, you're right. The penalty is the penalty. It's not changing. But I will agree uh, with Paul on this. My issue is that call is not it's not called evenly enough. Like, we'll see one play where it's called. You'll see a quarterback get roughed up a little bit, and they won't call it. So I will agree with you, Paul, on that. Well, Sometimes. but, Jason, real quickly, I mean, I think it depends on the video of the play. Like, for example, Grady Jarrett sacked Tom Brady. I don't know, Paul, if you remember that play. Mm-hmm. And he actually did it by the book of what they want from a defensive lineman. He wrapped up Brady, and he rolled. He didn't put his body weight on him. He rolled. So by the book, I would say that shouldn't have been a roughing the passer penalty. But Jason, they called roughing the passer. So I would disagree. I think that they're overly protective, and they're calling it pretty consistently more often than not. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right, Lance. Like I said, it's water under the bridge. What's done is done. That's the call. But um, I just feel like it's, it's too ticky-tack. But that's another topic for another time, maybe in the offseason. Um Back to um, the last few weeks and going to Seattle game. I'll make a few points and I'll just take it off the air. So, um, first thing, um, my disappointment. Yeah, the old line is struggling, um, and we get that. But my my thing that I've taken away from the last few weeks is just the, the defense just seems to be in, in, in like quick like quicksand. Like it just seems like they're a little bit. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if Wink is installing. You know, I'm not at the practice, of course. Maybe you guys could tell me, but. It just seems like last year we were playing really like just quicker with maybe lesser talented players. Now, I don't know if that's a coaching thing or if that's a scheme thing. I'm not sure. And I'm not calling out Wink. These coaches have been in the league for decades and decades, so I'm not questioning them per se. But what I will say is this. When it comes to the defense, my issue, big issue right now is uh, I just feel like sometimes these coordinators get too cute with themselves. For me, there's no reason why Thibodeau should be dropping in coverage. This is my opinion. I could be wrong. You guys could disagree with me. Well, Jason, real quick, let let me respond to that because, interestingly, Wink Martindale was asked about that at his presser earlier today. And his justification for that was, and Paul, feel free to jump in because you were there with me. He said they pride themselves, and Wink prides himself going back to his Baltimore days, that his defensive schemes are effective enough to keep offenses guessing. And he's not going to play the typical four down linemen, everybody else drops back, and the offense knows what we're doing. So in order to keep the offense off guard, he's going to put Kayvon Thibodeau in situations where it looks like he's coming, and then he drops back. That was what Wink laid out. Because he specifically, Jason, he was asked the exact question that you're posing. And I'm just giving you his rationale Mm -hmm. as to why he dresses things up like that and sometimes does not bring the Wolves because he feels that that keeps the opposing offenses guessing consistently. You know what's interesting, too? When I mentioned this the other day on the show, and I don't know how many people heard it, but last year the Giants gave up 5.2 yards per carry on the ground, which was the worst in the NFL. And we all talked about how terrible that was. But because the team was winning, and they won in the red zone, and they won on third down, and they had a decent turnover ratio, and they had a a, a good quarterback pressure ratio, everybody just kind of glossed over that. And it was like, it was almost acceptable. Do you know this year the Giants are only giving up 4.2 yards a carry, which was a full yard better than last year. But because they're one and two, and because there have been a lot of missed tackles, Everybody wants to kill Wink in the defense. Oh, they can't stop the run. Think about that for a second. Over a full season, they gave up a full yard per carry more last year. So they've actually improved dramatically by 20%. 
compared to last year against the run. The total right. rushing yards, though, per game is dropped. I'm talking about yards no, per no, carry. You're talking, but I'm well, talking yeah. about rushing yards per game. Though, rushing yards per game is, be- is, well, yeah. is because, again, they're getting behind. The other team's controlling the narrative. Yep. So they just continue to run and run sure. and run and run. Sure. But but you could make a case, and Wink would tell you this, but he's not going to because, obviously, he's going to get mocked for it. The fact is there have been improvements in this rush defense since last year, and the yards per carry tells you that. Part of the reason is because Thibodeau has actually done, he's graded out well against the run by coaches' grades, not by some analytical service. I don't care what they say. But by coaches' grades, he has done well against the run, and he's improved in doing so. So, okay, yeah, you guys make great points. I'll make a few more points, and I'll try to get off quick. Yeah, real quick. Um, uh, The one or two, just a few uh, bullet points. The one or two start doesn't surprise me. Uh, We had a really tough three game, and it seems like Arizona, they don't seem like they're tanking. So, uh, you know, I was happy to get out a win um, on on week two. Two more points. I like the McKeithen insert. Um, I think it's time to get some continuity. So if he's your right guard going forward, just keep him there. Is he going right. to have ups and downs? Of course he is. He's a yep. rookie. He's like a redshirt, yep. pretty much. So, and then the next point, uh, I would like to see Carter Coughlin get some more reps. I know people might laugh at me at this. Carter Coughlin um, has some reps at the edge or blitzing a little bit. Uh, I remember a few years ago when we played Seattle when we beat them. I want to say it's two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. He has some good. Pretty good pass reps. Now, am I saying he should be on the field fifty percent of the time? No, but I think we need some more juice on that on that pass rush. We're just not getting to the quarterback for some reason, and we have pretty good talented players. For some reason, it's just not working. So, I would like to see some things switched up. And you know, thanks for taking my call. And all right, Jason. Yep, appreciate the phone call. The hope is Ojolari is going to play this week. They believe he will, and so that would be where you might get some of that juice instead of putting Coughlin in. You'll have Ojolari. Hopefully sure. back in the lineup. Yeah. Well, at this point, I would not pin it on one guy. I mean, they need overall as a group. They need mm-hmm. more disruptive plays. And no doubt. It's not just the edge guys. It's Dexter Lawrence. It's Leonard Williams. I mean, you could pick whoever you want. And I'm not talking about that these guys are not playing hard. That's not my point. My point is you need to start seeing from an optic standpoint, from a statistical standpoint, deflected balls at the line of scrimmage, quarterback hits. You know, a game-changing play that flips the script of some sort. Maybe it shortens the field for your offense. That's the things that have not been omnipresent so far over the first three games. And until that changes, and if the offense doesn't skyrocket, because one of the things that I wanted to add, Paul, when you were talking about the red zone defense. See, the Giants are at the point where, forget the red zone defense, you can't let the opposition get in scoring position. The Niners scored on six of their nine possessions. Okay, Mm -hmm. If you compare that to the Giants, the Giants are in a lesser boat. So you're at the point where the opposition is walking away with points, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. Mm -hmm. So if you want to alleviate your offense, you need to get, once again, these takeaways, and you need to keep the opposition out of your own territory. Because at that rate, I don't think right now the offense has proven that they can match wits with the opposition. Well, especially without Barkley. Correct. But, you know, no matter who we're talking about, that's in and out of the lineup. And I think, you know, Paul, the other thing, I don't know if I had this conversation with you, maybe I had it with John. You look around the league, you see teams that are down offensive linemen. You see teams that are down weaponry. And I'm not saying that it has not taken a toll on the Giants. That's not my point. But you see these other teams be able to put points on the board. 
Okay, so for mm-hmm. example, Dallas played Arizona. It wasn't a pretty game, but they were able to run the ball effectively, even though they were down three starting offensive linemen. The Seahawks, we referenced, down four. They put up 37 points. So you're seeing other teams because everybody loses personnel, right? During the mm-hmm. course of the season, you're never going to get through the 22 guys on offense and defense that are going to come through. So, you know, I think that's been a stumbling block for the Giants, and we've talked about it a lot on this program. You can't continue to say, this is going to be the season where Daniel Jones is not under pressure. This is going to be the season where seven guys at the skill position players stay on the field. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we have that conversation over and over again. We have to come to the realization you're not going to wait to get to the ideal situation. It's, it's never going to pan out that way. It usually doesn't. Every once in a while, a team yeah. gets lucky, and they get all those stars aligned in order. But that's but it's unrealistic. Not, it's not reality. Correct. No, it's not. Exactly. Yep. You know, and that's why I'm telling you, deal with what you got. Let's assume that Barkley will not play. I, again, I don't know that, but let's assume hypothetically and make those skill positions earn their paycheck. Get it done. Get it done through the air. Let Daniel take the wraps off him and let him throw it. Let him be aggressive. Let him go for it. Let's head back to the phone lines. We got Nikki in Manahawkin joining us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Nikki? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. Polly Dots. You're just the man I wanted to speak with. Lance, not that you're just an absolute pleasure to be in the presence of also. But, um, <laughs> what do you worry. got? Yes. I, have, I had two, two points. Now it's third since I've, I've been on. The whole Andrew Thomas not practicing thing, I'm hoping that's more of a he's good enough. He doesn't need to practice, and he'll just play Monday. I'm hoping that's the case. Um, but um, I have two main points I want to bring up, one at a time, if you'll allow me. Uh, Go. Number one, number one's with the attitude of the team, and I'm not trying to insinuate that there's a lack of effort. I don't believe that to be true. But this team doesn't seem to be having fun while they're out there. Every time the offense is on the field, I don't get the sense that they have any confidence even in themselves. It's a pretty stark contrast to last year. I'm going to be fair, though. I think some of it probably has to do with whether or not the best player on your roster is healthy at left tackle. But other teams, like you just said, lose great linemen, players or linemen every week, and they can still function. But um, it's a pretty stark contrast to last year in the Jacksonville game, the uh, Ravens game, the Packers game. Those games had, as Joe Joe Shane likes to say, they've got to have a moment, and there wasn't a doubt that they could get it done. I was at the Ravens game. And there were third and longs back to back to back and on got to have it drives. And they were just picking it up, no problem, with Marcus Johnson, no less, being the recipient of some of those. And there was never a doubt. And the fans knew it. And that was the loudest I've ever heard the stadium in my short decade of going to these games. We definitely need that Sunday. And if you're going to the game, the team really needs you to get loud for them. But I don't really see that this year. You know, even when we were bad in Coughlin's last days with the team, the team still had confidence and swagger. I can remember us having the absolute worst pass defense in football in 2015. The defense couldn't help Eli out at all, who probably had his best game of his career against the Saints that year. And the defense still played with swagger, even though they weren't that good. Like DRC, who happens to be my favorite player ever, remember the one play in particular where he laid the wood on Willie Sneed and he coughed it up and Tremaine McBride took it in for six? Those guys weren't a good unit, but they definitely didn't let that affect their body language. And there's a difference between your body language and acting like you're something that you're not. The team, This team plays like they know they aren't good almost. And it's a very big difference to the 2015 team. It's almost reversed from that, actually. You know, Kayvon just hasn't been good this year. His sack that he had against Sanford kind of reminds me of somebody who's upset with their financial situation but goes out and leases a car that they just absolutely cannot afford. It's the outward manifestation of not being meeting your own standards you have for yourself. 
And when Kayvon, like, why are you dancing? Your pass rush win rate is 3%. 3%. His burst is just gone. I don't know where it went, but it's gone. And since I can't be there, it's kind of up to you two guys to go and look for it because it's just gone. His get-off off the line was the reason he could beat tackles around mm-hmm. the edge and his bend, and it's not there anymore. And his bend isn't even there. Not as, not as gone as maybe his burst is, but his burst isn't there. His bend looks worse now. He's stiff. I have no idea what happened. That's my first question. I have one much smaller point I'd like to make after your response. To well, why don't you give your second point, Nikki, and then we'll respond to both. So what's okay, the second right. one? Yeah. So the, my, my second one, much quicker. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a scouting report translate so consistently from the college to the NFL more than Deontay Banks. There's almost never a guarantee that a player is going to be good at something in college, and, and that translating to the NFL and him being good at that in the NFL and even vice versa, they might not be good at something in college and then be good at it in the NFL. But Banks is the exact same player in the NFL that he was in college. He's right really good, man. Yep. Right out of the box, yeah. he has been really good. I'm, I'm presently I'm presently surprised because I wasn't a Banks guy at all. He's I was. For <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a great athlete. He has the sticking coverage. Cinder blocks for hands, unfortunately. Quite the opposite of Trayvon Diggs. But his off-man and zone coverage instincts seem to be much better than I thought they would be. Um, but that's my second point before I go. And if you guys have anybody that you guys personally like in the draft, like this, you know, for yourself, not even for the Giants draft, I'm curious if you guys have your own things. Like, like last year, I was Jordan Addison from August through April. Right now, I'm Keon Coleman from August, going to be through April. Just want to know if you guys have anything like that. So thanks for letting me take the time. All right, Nikki. Appreciate yep. It. Appreciate the phone call. I don't even begin draft prep until – the bowl games uh, in college. So I I don't know if he was referring to maybe somebody from this past draft that perhaps has been impressive. I don't know. That's how I interpreted it, perhaps. Banks is the guy I wanted for the Giants all along. I I made that very clear from the combine forward. Banks was the guy I hoped they would get, and they got him. And I'm very happy they did. Uh, As far as, again, as far as next spring, I have. I haven't even taken two seconds to glance at uh, at potential draft prospects. Yeah, let's get through this season first. Uh, as far as the other comment, it is very fair, and I like to say the fizz is out of the Pepsi. Okay? People call it swagger. I call it the fizz. Uh, outside of the second half in Arizona, I have not seen the fizz out of this team at all. Now, I'm not going to say this is why, but I do want to put a couple of facts on the table. The travel to the West Coast, three games in 11 days, right out of the box, right after the preseason was over. Yep. That's the first time that's happened in NFL history, that a team had eleven game, uh, three games in 11 days to start their season. Difficult to navigate. Though they did stay out on the West Coast, though. They it's did. Like they were they did, but, the, but yeah. that trip, I will tell you, I was out no, on I the trip. Sure. It, yeah. was, it, was, it was a weird feel. I mean, I, I didn't get adjusted to the West Coast until the Wednesday after, after the first game that they played against uh, Arizona. I mean, it was weird. It was really, really weird. Um, We talk all the time about guys playing in the preseason. The Giants are one of those teams that really holds their starters back a lot. Most teams are that way. I'll go back to that nonstop. Maybe at some point the NFL will do something to maybe they'll give salary cap relief to guys who get hurt during the preseason. Maybe they'll find a reason to make coaches less queasy to do it. I know why they do it. I understand it. 
it makes good sense from their perspective not to take a chance with those guys. But this is why you get, in more cases than not, very poor quality September football. That's just the nature of the beast. I mean, do you really think that Detroit was that much better than the team they played last night? Or did they absolutely, totally steamroll them because one team was more in sync than the other? Well, they also were great in the trenches compared to the other team. I, I mean, get that it. That was the biggest difference I get last it. night. I so, get it. I, mean, I get it. I don't but know if that has anything to was, do with preseason. We're seeing horrible blowouts and terrible, ridiculous upsets and horrible blowouts all throughout the month of September. This is the quality of football that we're getting because of the way the risk has been painted to these head coaches. And I'm going to tell you, I do believe that it burned the Giants this year. Put that on top of the the 11 days, three games, the West Coast trip, playing two of the most potent defensive fronts in the league at a time when clearly they were not clicking on all cylinders with the offensive line. The point is there were a lot of things that went into this recipe that made them one and two. And he's right, by the way. It was easy to see the Giants going one and two. What you didn't really want to see is how many bad quarters they had doing it. Yeah, well, because of the tale of two halves with respect to the Arizona game. Bingo. Yeah, and what it took to win that game. Exactly. You can't overlook that's that. The, that's yeah. the upsetting part from an emotional perspective. But I bet you eight out of ten people would have said the Giants are going to be one and two to start the first three games. That's not totally unexpected. It's really not. And Wink Martindale's right when he says, you know what? I remember a Ravens team I was on. We were two and two. Then we won 14 straight. He's like, there's nothing that says this team can't get to where they want to get to. This is only week four of the regular season. I mean, heck, the Lions were 1-6 and six last season. They went 8-2 and two in their final 10. They didn't there make the go. playoffs. But, yeah, we've seen turnarounds like that. I mean, each team follows a different path. I don't know if there's anything you can take away. I think the larger point is, yes, you can recover from a 1-2 and two start. Better find the fizz, though, Monday night yeah. against a Seattle team that will make you pay if you don't. Yeah, and also... Uh, Seattle team that I would not read too much into the travel aspect, just looking at it from Seattle's standpoint, because I was talking with Dave Wyman, who's their radio analyst, yeah. and he told me an interesting stat that they, at 10 a.m. games, and I know this is not a 10 a.m. game, but they're 14 and 3. With Are they Pete really? Carroll is the head coach in 10 a.m. games. And I don't even think you can discuss the time change because it's an evening game on a Monday night. It's not that big of an adjustment for a West Coast team. Even if an East Coast team was going Funny to the West Coast. Funny thing, though, yesterday Leonard Williams was asked about it in the locker room. He, he said, said he even even to this point, today, yeah. he's still feeling fatigue from that West Coast trip. It's a yeah. real thing. Now, how you want to weigh it, you may give it that much credence, or you may give it a little more. But it's a factor. Well, let's put it this way. I don't think they lost to the Niners because they were tired. Okay, I'm not going to go there. I don't think that's why they were I'm not going to go there yeah. either. Okay? There were a lot of reasons why they lost to the Niners. But could yeah. that have been 0.5%? Maybe? Yeah. I mean, could some of the guys have been tired? Sure. I mean, that's human nature. If you go on a business trip, you get tired. You don't have to play professional football. So I'm not going to be naive from that it's standpoint. It's probably the 122nd yeah, reason why they lost the game. It's low-hanging fruit. It's that dangling no carrot. No doubt. And, and that fo- no rolls doubt. over to one of the points that the caller mentioned. And... and I'm curious to address this real quickly about the lack of energy from the team on the sideline. I also don't think that played a role in why the team has lost. I will say this. 
The fizz they showed in the second half in Arizona, that crowd was very pro-Giant. The the blue jerseys in the lower level on the Giants' sideline in Arizona, they were cheering, let's go Giants. But they had a reason to cheer. And defense, and defense in the second half. And the players were playing to that. There were guys who would turn it around, screaming with the fans, uh, um, Hyatt, had his towel going, trying to get the fans souped up for the defense. It we can't say that that doesn't have an impact. No, no. But my point is, is that good play brings that product okay. to the forefront. And I'm going to tell you what I said the other day when I was on with Madeline. How about the crowd spark the team instead of the other way around on Monday night against Seattle? This is a game the Giants need. They need it badly. They're on national television again in prime time again against a playoff contender again. Maybe, maybe like Wink says all the time, the crowd can have some impact. How about they be the spark instead of the crowd waiting for the team to be the spark? Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Vinny in Florida joining us here. What's happening, Vinny? What do you got for us? Hey, guys. How you doing? You're doing all right. What's on your mind? Awesome. Hey, guys. Right now, I'm going to just ask you. You guys are making excuses. You guys are doing what Dable is against. Hey. What excuses are we making? Oh, the West Coast trip. No, we, we're, I'm not using that as an excuse. We're bringing up some of the talking points that have we're been We're giving you up. some That's facts. We're, we're not, not using we're that. Not, I specifically I, said that has no bearing on the results. And the I game. said at the beginning of that comment, yeah. it, this is not an excuse. I'm just giving you facts. I'm not, I'm not, not using excuse, excuses. One word, execution. Of course. Of course. Everybody, every team. It, I, back in the day when, when there wasn't free agency, it wasn't as common as now, but every team, it seems, goes through a cold spot and goes through a warm spot. As far as I'm concerned, I'm okay having that cold spot in September and October. I just want to be on all cylinders in January, December. Yeah, but the problem is, Vinny, if you have too much of a cold spot early, you don't have enough time to regroup out of that cold spot. Keep that in mind. But we're only, but we're only one and two right now. And talking about the preseason, you know, I, I think it's, I agree with Paul and you guys. You got to play in preseason, and I understand the injury challenges with not doing it. It seems to me, like, think about Dallas. For the most part, they're a veteran team. So they don't have to get used to each other like a team that's starting four guys that are either rookies on this or in their second year on the line. Or new faces, think, free agents that just with, joined the team. Right, yeah. Right, right. And it's like, hey, when you're you know, I've seen even San Fran, they don't have to play guys. You know what? The North, the Carolina Panthers played Bryce Young. Why? Because they, they need to see how he acts. So I, I'm I'm not a big fan of starting slow, but it's inevitable in today's game that's gonna happen just based on the, you know, on, on protecting your players from injury. 
right now, you guys said, hey, if there were two players we would not miss, you said it was Thomas and Barkley. And who's hurt right now? But the good news is that nobody on the team, as far as I know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, nobody's been lost for the season. That's part of their core. We're all healthy for the most part. Hey, we're going to – guys, I, I'm with you. We're, we're going to beat Seattle, and we're, we're going to turn our season around. The other thing besides execution is turnovers. It's been very disappointing that we have not gotten one turnover or when we got turnovers, we committed a penalty that prevented the turnover from being a turnover. We, we just got to execute better. It's just a matter of this team is good. We've got good coaching. We're not only at the top of the level we have good coaching, but we've got good coaching as assistants. And, and I just have faith in them that this is an anomaly and that we're going to have a good year this year. All right, Vinny. So let's well, go Giants yeah. and, and just want to echo that stuff. All right, appreciate the phone call. I mean, remember, you also need to take into consideration the caliber of the opponent, especially if you want to compare last season to no this doubt. season, Paul. You know, that was something else that we didn't bring up. You played Tennessee, Carolina, and a Dallas team that did not have Dak Prescott in the first three games of last season. Now, Tennessee had a very good defensive front. Jeffrey Simmons, and they, they did lose Harold Landry. They were considered a Super Bowl contender at the time the Giants played them. Well, at least a division winner and a team that no got to the playoffs. So I, and I don't know if I'd go Super Bowl so far, but definitely a postseason contender. There's no doubt about that. You know, Carolina, we're talking about Sam Darnold, new quarterback, Baker Mayfield. You know, they were experimenting there. And Christian McCaffrey did play in that game. He was eventually traded. And once again, as I mentioned, the Cowboys were without Dak Prescott. And then you had Chicago after that, a young quarterback in Justin Fields. Whereas you flip the script to this season, and now you're looking at a Cowboys team that was a contender to build the comparison to Tennessee. Okay, then you're looking at Arizona. Okay, so maybe equivalent to one of the teams, at least on paper. And now all of a sudden it's San Francisco. And now you're going to get Seattle and you got Miami and you got Buffalo. So the landscape is very different than how it was mapped out in 2022. And that was something we talked about. The reason why you can't just roll over standings and records is because the caliber of the competition is going to change. And the order in which you play teams is going to change too. Let's head back to the phone lines. Anthony is in Phoenix joining us here on BBKO. What's happening, Anthony? Good afternoon, Lance and Paul. Nice to th- thank you for taking my call. Sure. So I've got a couple got a couple of points here. First of all, we need to play better. Yeah. Okay. Just play better. Guys. That's point number one. Two, three, and four. How about that? That's the top four. Goes without saying. Yes. Okay. Now the fans are gonna be out. The fans will be out on Monday. And we've got ten days now. We healed up a little bit. We're gonna be better physically. We're gonna get Rondell back. Um well, he's back you know, already. So. Yeah. But, you know, more so. You know, let's get him involved. Let's, you know, I like Paul's. I mentioned this the last time I called. Let's take the ball if we win the flip. Take the ball and let's go out. You've got three Ferraris, like Slayton says. You've got three Ferraris. Let's start running the Ferraris. Whether you run them short or you run them long, however you make it. you got, and I know you need time from the offensive line. That's, that's obvious. But we don't have to run them long all the time. Let's, they're quick. Let's, let's use them. Slayton, Hyatt, Campbell, Walla, Robinson now. Oh, my goodness. They need to throw Hodgins in the mix. Let's, let's start moving them. Hopefully we get, you know, we don't know. We'll, we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll get the, the, a back back. We'll get the, the running back back. You're talking about Barkley. Yeah. 
yeah, we'll, we'll get Barkley back, hopefully. Well, but even so, besides that, Williams, Lawrence, and Nachos have to show up and get to the quarterback. I'm sorry, guys. You mentioned it earlier, Lance. Turnovers. Where are the turnovers? There's none. Well, it's not so much turnovers. It's disruptive plays. I would classify it. It's affecting the opposing quarterback, getting a hit on the quarterback, forcing them into a third and 15, making them lose yardage. It's not just the turnovers. Turnovers, of course, is the icing on the cake, but it's impacting the opposing quarterback and making that opposing quarterback feel uncomfortable. I don't recall anything with respect to Dak and getting him to feel uncomfortable. Joshua Dobbs. I mean, Dobbs seemed pretty comfortable. I mean, even in the second half when they got the three and outs, it wasn't a result of them hitting Joshua Dobbs and Brock Purdy. No, they rushed him a lot, though, in the second half. And Purdy had three interceptable balls the other day. And in the first half, I actually thought they did a nice job on Purdy. I was just going to get to that because his completion percentage was not nearly as good as the other quarterbacks. And you could tell, you know, he was backpedaling. But the second half, I thought it was a completely different story. They controlled the narrative of the game. So that's what I'm saying. The complete game of disruption. That has to happen. And when that happens, that's when you take pressure off your offense and you also change field position because of your defense. But they have not had that complete set. We have not seen a four-quarter period where everything seems to be clicking. And you need that, and you need that consistently. You can't just have that for a half here and then a game six weeks later. It's got to show up more often. That's how the good teams separate themselves from the rest of the pack. Absolutely. And they can't give up those third and longs. They just can't give that No off. doubt. Yep. No doubt. All right, Anthony. Appreciate the phone right. call. Yep, you got it. <clears throat> I just want to reiterate one more time. The Giants have to play better. That's reason one, two, three, <laughs> and four of why they could improve. Because they've got to play better. We're, we're talking about all kinds of facts and all kinds of analysis and so forth and so on. But the bottom line is... The Giants' level of execution has not nearly been good enough for most of the quarters in the first three weeks of the season. That's the bottom line. So please don't paint it like we're sitting here making excuses for this team. We are not. They are not playing winning football. Not. They're just not. They've got to start doing it Monday. That's the bottom line. That's the facts. So please don't misinterpret what we're talking about here. And with respect to getting off to a fast start or taking the ball first, Arizona and San Francisco got the ball first in each of the last two games. Now, your defense could still help set the tone under those circumstances. Well, the Giants had the ball against Dallas, and they went right down the field and got a field goal blocked for a touchdown. Correct. So I wouldn't, once again, read so much into that. But the point that I was getting at, Arizona goes seven plays, 38 yards in two minutes, 48 seconds. Now, they ultimately missed the field goal, but you let them get in scoring position. And then San Francisco, same thing. You know, they walk away with a field goal because they were able to march down the field and they were able to wear down the defense. That's why third down of all of these defensive facts and numbers that we're talking about. We're talking about the disruptive plays. We're talking about the ability to stop the run. I'd point to getting off the field on third down. You know, getting sure. a three and out. Even if Seattle gets the ball first, can you force them off the field after three downs? Well, that's why Wink's that? two most important stats. He doesn't talk, talk about sacks. He talks about the pressures, Yep, the three most important stats. The pressures, the red zone percentage, and the third down percentage. Those are the three he wants to win. That's how the Giants made the playoffs last year. Sure, but the red zone percentage means you've already let the opponent into scoring position. So I want to just hold off on that here for a second. I'm focusing on getting off the field. 
and you get off the field by winning third down. They have not won third down in any of the games so far. I'll tell you this. They can help their defense out a lot if the offense would get some points on the board. And Seattle's allowed seven touchdowns on seven red zone opportunities to their opposition this year. So how about the offense do its job there to give the defense a little something to chew on so now they can be in a position to dictate the game? Yeah, because these slow starts, and I'm not saying, once again, there's the flip the switch. It's just slow starts, meaning if you put yourself in a double-digit deficit, you're playing right into the hands of the opposition. Because you were talking about Seattle on paper. Their defensive front is not San Francisco and is not Dallas. They're really good against the run because of their two linebackers. They're very good against Wagner and Brooks. But there is one guy by the name of Jaron Reed who I think is worthy of attention. And he has been a force thus far in the early stages of the season. He's had double-digit sack campaigns. Mm -hmm. So the point is, you fall down 10-0 to Seattle. Now you give... Clint Hurt, their defensive coordinator, you give him a little bit more ammunition to let a guy like Reed get loose. That's why the dynamics on offense are so important to just walk away with some points because then you don't give the defensive coordinator the ability to be ultra-aggressive early in the game. Arizona had the ability to do that. San Francisco, to a certain degree, had to do that. If you put Seattle in a position where, okay, we've got to be alert of the Giants going for the home run. We have to be more alert on third down because the Giants have had some manageable third downs. That's, to me, where the offense helps the defense's cause. Well, you don't want even Seattle secondary with Julian Love back there to be able to cheat and let the odds go into their favor by being forced to throw the ball on third and long. That's why you have to do it early. Well, and speaking of that, Paul, you wonder, one of the other things that we didn't get to is you look at the running numbers from the last game, and I know flow dictated that, but I'm talking about the volume of runs by Daniel Jones was probably the lowest we've seen in quite some time. Is this a game where you look to get him out and run and test the edges and the deep part of that Seattle defense to see whether or not those guys could tackle? Because I will say this, from watching the Carolina game... Brooks and Wagner will tackle you and no, tackle you hard. But I did think, and Andy Dalton, I don't consider the most explosive run. Oh, did you see how he took no, off? that's what I'm saying. That was funny as no. hell. And he actually showcases mobility a little. So <laughs> that's why I'm bringing he it up. He for a touchdown. 100%. So what I'm saying <laughs> is, is that if you're the Giants, maybe you want to see... Listen, we talk about... Seattle putting the Giants in a position to test them to see if they righted the ship. Okay, well, I would say the Giants need to then explore Seattle and see whether or not they shored up some of their issues. So it did catch my attention that Andy Dalton had some mobile plays. Yes. I just wonder whether or not, considering Daniel Jones is a far more accomplished athlete yes. than Andy Dalton, if you want to showcase that a little bit It does bit bear that's noting that Seattle's only allowing 2.9 yards per rush. Oh, no, they're very good And that's top three, I think, in the National Football But League. I would also point to, and I'm glad you brought that up, one last thing that I want to throw out here. Look at the quarterbacks they've played. Yes. I don't put All them... All statues. Correct. None of them have been a Daniel Correct. Jones-esque type of quarterback. So I'd still rather important. Jones win the game with his arm than his legs. Well, that's, that's the, okay with to you. To me, that's the only <laughs> successful route. I don't think they're going to win the game because you're going to run Daniel Jones 15 times. Trust me. But what I'm saying is to mix in it a little bit more to help set up some manageable third downs. I think that's something at least worth noting and bringing into the conversation. All right, well, the Giants don't play until Monday night. So we have another show to continue to set the stage 
and get you set for Monday Night Football. But a reminder that today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. Enjoy football this weekend, and we'll speak to you on Monday right here at 12.30 p.m. Eastern on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.